Okay, so tonight we're going to do something uh, a little bit different uh, in the sense that what we are going to read together is not going to be from sources inside of Shulchan Aruch or inside of Gemara or something or a Tshuva Sefer or something like that. We're actually going to, res- uh, we're going to read or look over different things which are uh, related to a shaila which uh, somebody called me about. Uh, the specific shaila had to do with and it's something which uh, I'm, I'm younger than you all, but I'm, I imagine it makes your head spin as well. It's something related to investing in cryptocurrency. And uh, a person wanted to know about a particular company and whether or not uh, he, he has information that, in, that says that uh, one of the major uh, owners or major uh, shareholder or whatever it's going to be in the company is actually a Jew. And... Um, he wanted to know whether or not there is, uh, it's, it would be permitted for uh, anybody to invest in that company because it would be looked at from a halachic perspective as an investment rather than as a loan with ribis. So that was a question. And he said, do you mind looking into it? I said, yes, <laughs> I do mind. <laughs> so he said, okay, but could you do me a favor anyways and just sort of look it over? And he sent me a couple of, uh, a couple of things which he thought would, uh, would be instructive. And he wanted to know what, uh, what my thoughts are, uh, are, are on the matter. So it's, uh, it's something which uh, those who have been in shul uh, Shabbos afternoon, which looks like Steve, maybe uh, Ellen may caught one of those a weeks. So uh, this is something which we've been discussing between between Mincha and Mar, uh, the past uh, couple of times that we were, uh, we were there, I guess. Um, but it's something which is very important because it, uh, it emphasizes uh, how important it is in these types of shilas to actually read the terms and conditions. And the way people will describe something, certainly in the halachas of ribis, is not going to be something which is, uh, which is uh, their understanding of things. is not something which is really going to be, uh, going to be instructive. So let me just give you a little bit of background, uh, a little bit of terminology, so that you'll know what we are focusing on, so that we could uh, we could actually read through the terms and conditions and see uh, see what uh, what we think. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to uh, uh, differentiate between halachically what is a loan and what is an investment. And this becomes one of the most critical uh, parts of the, uh, the whole equation, much beyond uh, what it says on the page of Shulchan Aruch, but on a practical level. So uh, it, it becomes uh, sometimes challenging, as we're going to see, to get a sense, a clear sense of what exactly an investment is halachically and what exactly a loan is halachically. So the general uh, distinction that we have uh, to uh, differentiate between between the two, the the word that we use in English has to do with risk, R I S K, not a Hebrew word, the English word risk. And what we mean by risk is that an investment, by definition, means that I could either go ahead and if there if the company uh, is profitable, so I get a share of the profits. And in the event that the uh, company is not profitable, it suffers a loss. So I'm going to, I as a partner or I as an investor, so I'm going to share that loss as well. I'm going to have to participate in that loss, meaning that my return is not guaranteed. And on any uh, commercial 
on the radio, I imagine on television, where they talk about investments. So they have that quick reading disclaimer at the end saying that there's no guaranteed results and a person could lose the, you know, their principal, yada, yada, yada. So this is something which is, uh, which is important to, uh, to keep in mind, that there has to be an element of, of, of risk. So something which carries a, a risk, so that is what we call, that will be an investment. I become a partner with you in your business venture, and I could share the profits or I could share in those losses. A loan is something which is guaranteed. Loan is guaranteed in the sense that uh, I borrow $100,000 from you, I have, and uh, until I pay back that money, I have an obligation to pay you back. So that's generally the way we go ahead and we differentiate. And what happens most times that, uh, that uh, you present that distinction between a loan investment as far as risk, so anybody who's involved in any sort of business, anything, will tell you nothing is guaranteed, everything carries with it some element of risk. And even a loan carries with it an element of risk because there's a possibility that the borrower may disappear and run off with your money to the Cayman Islands, or the borrower may go bankrupt and not have the ability to go ahead and pay back the $100,000 that, that he loaned to you. So how could you go ahead and say that the essential difference between an investment and a loan is going to be risk when everything carries with it a risk? So that is, that's, the, that's uh, one of the essential questions to ask in order to understand exactly how, uh, how RIBIS works and how we uh, had to risk is going to work in all of that. And the answer to that is, and this is going to be critical tonight in our discussion, and the answer to that is that when, there, when it comes to a loan, and I actually hinted to it, when it comes to a loan, if I borrow $100,000 to you, I am obligated to pay that money. Even if I don't have the money, the obligation that I have to repay you the $100,000 never goes away. Unless you're actually mochel, unless you actually forgive the loan, you say, you know what, don't worry about it, you don't have to pay me back. But if you don't do that, even if I, even if I have no money whatsoever, I have to borrow money to get the oil for my Hanukkah or something like that. So I have absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing to, uh, to my name. Nonetheless, the obligation that I have to repay that loan, that never goes away. So that's when we talk about a, a loan being guaranteed, what we mean by that is, is that the obligation to repay the loan never goes away until the loan is actually paid in full. In contrast, if I go ahead and I tell you, I am uh, going to start a, uh, a, a business and the business is going to be selling widgets that I get from, uh, from China for a thousand percent markup, so uh, in China, they manufacture it for five cents and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to sell it for $50. I don't know, something like that, whatever that, uh, that percentage is. So, and you say, wow, that sounds like a great return. I'm in on that, uh, that business. And you give me, a, uh, you invest with my business $100,000. And then it turns out that a president comes along and says that we are now not allowing imports from China. And therefore, the business goes south and all of the money that we spent on with all of our contacts and the advertising and the staff and the office building and all of that. So all of that money is gone. So I call you up. I say, I'm so sorry, but, uh, but uh, the, uh, the, the business is, is kaput and we have nothing to show for it. Overnight, all of it is gone. So being that you invested the money with me in the business, we became partners. So just like I lost my capital in this, uh, in this deal, you lost your capital too. 
And the significance, the reason why we call this an investment in risk is because once the business closes down and there's no business to pay back that the, or the investment shuts down and, there's a, and you're not paid back, the halacha is, is that you have no recourse. That's the nature of the investment. I have no obligation to give you back that $100,000 investment. It was given to me in the pursuit of a business venture. If that business venture fails, I have no obligation to give you back that money whatsoever because you knew the risk. You knew that there was a possibility that I would not be obligated to pay you back. And that's why uh, you uh, the returns are higher when there's, a, when there's a more significant risk. And you took that risk and you win some, you lose some, and too bad, so sad. The nafkamina between both of these cases is, let's say the day after I make the phone call and say, listen, I'm so sorry, but the widget business shut down and uh, there is no business anymore and we both lost all of our money. Or the day after I say to you, listen, thank you so much for lending me the $100,000. I was planning on using it for my widget business, which went south and now I am homeless and I, am, uh, I have nothing to repay, the, uh, to, to repay that loan. So let's say just because the way it appears on my screen. So Steve invested with me and Ellen had gone ahead and loaned me. Steve uh, invested with me $100,000. Ellen loaned me $100,000. The same day on Wednesday afternoon, I call them both up and say, I'm so sorry, but the business tanked and I've got nothing to show for it whatsoever. So to Steve, he's out of luck. He was an investor, and as an investor, he knew that he was taking a risk, and he has no recourse to collect money from me at all, not my house, not my car, not anything. Ellen, I excuse myself, by, and I apologize by saying, I don't have anything to pay, but Ellen says, okay, she has the right to say, the next time you get your hands on some money, so you owe me that money, because that $100,000 debt continues. Thursday, the day after, I win the Mega Millions. I take my last dollar. I buy a Mega Millions ticket, and I win $357 million. So Thursday afternoon, once my face is on the, on the news, winning the $357 million, Steve calls up and says, okay, I want to get my $100,000 investment back. And I say to see Steve, too bad, so sad. The money you gave me was an investment. The investment flopped. I have no obligation to give you that money whatsoever. That mega millions, 357 million is my money. It's not the business's money. And I have no obligation whatsoever to pay you at all. Ellen, on the other hand, when she calls and says, I'm so excited for you and me that you won the 357 million because what this means now is, is you're going to be able to, you're going to now have the means to repay the loan. And she's 100% correct because my obligation to her never went away. And since it never went away, whenever I get my hands on $100,000, I have to repay that, that, that outstanding debt. So do I risk. have any expectation? In, do I have any expectation there, or is that beyond the scope of the discussion? <laughs> that's, that's beyond the scope. Yeah, well, that, 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 that will be a, a topic for a different Thursday night class, as far as uh, that is concerned, but uh, yeah, not, not tonight. That's Evan Ezer. Tonight we're doing uh, your day. So that is, that is the element of, uh, of risk. So that, that's, uh, that's point number one, which is essential to realize. Now, there's another uh, phrase which we use uh, to identify a loan versus a, and it's unfair because in English, we actually use the same, uh, the, the same terminology, but we'll say a halva and a picadon. Picadon is when I go ahead and I give you, I make you into a shomer. Let's talk about that. I could go ahead and I could either lend you money 
or I could give you money and say, could you be a shomer on my money? I'm going out of the country. I don't want to leave the money under my mattress while I'm out of the country. Do you mind if I give you the money and you'll put it in your mattress while, while I'm gone? And I want you to just uh, safeguard the money for me. So how do we tell the difference whether or not something is a loan or something is a, or somebody is a shomer on the money? So I'll give you a very uh, common example, a very common and practical example where we see the difference between the two of those is. And that is, uh, I go to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to Mel. I say, Mel, I'm looking for uh, some office space. Do you mind if I rent your, uh, your basement to set up a, a home office? So Mel says, no, no problem at all. I'll be more than happy to go ahead and, and, uh, and do so. Rent is going to be $2,000 a month. Location, location, location. And he wants to make sure that I give him a security deposit ahead of time just in case he's heard about the, what shaffles could do to, uh, to a room. So he's a little bit nervous about what may happen in the event that it's uh, bring your kids to, uh, to the office day. And he doesn't want to take any chances. So he says, I need a $2,000 uh, uh, security deposit. And I say, no problem. I say, but the law in Illinois is, is that when a tenant gives the landlord a security deposit, so that has to go into a segregated interest-bearing account. So Mel says, no problem. I got relationships with uh, the banks. I will put your money in a secure account at the bank and you will earn your whatever the, uh, the expected interest rate is. So now I'm there for a couple of years. It's time to move out. I leave the office in pristine condition. No damage whatsoever, shockingly, but there's no damage whatsoever. So I say to Mel, listen, I want back my security deposit plus interest. Now, as soon as I say to Mel, plus interest, he says, wait a minute over there, Shaffle. I've been a young as of Skokie long enough. I know all about ribis issues. And if you're expecting me to go ahead and pay you interest, which is ribis, no way I'm violating an Isidarais and I'm paying interest. No way, no how, I'm telling the rabbi on you. So now the question is, is Mel going to be able to go ahead and pay out that, uh, that interest or not? So the, different, the, the question is, so halakhically, what we would need to determine is, what must be determined is, did I loan the money to Mel? Because if I loan the money to Mel, then he cannot pay me any more than the $2,000 that I gave him. If he gives me one penny more, that would be interest. However, if I gave Mel the money as a shomer, as a custodian on my money, but it, was, but it wasn't a loan to him, then he would be able to give me more. The only interest to give me back more is if he borrowed the money from me. If he didn't borrow the money from me, he had it under some other pretense or under some other umbrella, then it would be okay to give me back the original amount which I gave him plus extra. So now the question becomes, how do we define what exactly is a loan? So the way we define what exactly a loan is, there's a phrase that we use, milva lahotza nitna. Milva means a loan. Lehotza, to spend the money, nitna is why it was given. So in the time of Chazal, certainly, if, uh, if, uh, if somebody came to me and wanted to borrow money, if El, if El came to me and he said, I want to borrow uh, um, $100,000 for my business. So my expectation is I'm going to lend El this $100,000 for his business. And I don't expect that he's going to hold on to the money until the due date of the loan. That's ridiculous. His whole point in borrowing the money was to spend it in order to run his business, get his business up and running. So that's what we mean, Milva, every loan, 
it becomes essentially the money that belongs to the borrower, but he has a shibud, he has an obligation now eventually to pay back that money. But while he has possession of it during the time of the loan, so it's his money to spend freely as he, as he wishes. That's what milva nitna means, is that the borrower has complete discretion, almost complete discretion, as far as how he would like to use the money, how he's going to spend the money. But whenever the, the, the due date arrives, he just has to make sure that he has the money to pay back the loan. So that also is something which is going to be critical, is to, uh, to be able to identify whether or not something is a, 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 a loan or it's given under some other pretense, is whether or not the recipient of that money has the discretion to use the money as he pleases. So an example of that, again, a very practical example that most post can hold up, is when you put your money into a savings account in the bank or into a checking account in the bank, so almost inevitably, in most cases, they're gonna pay a very small amount of interest, but you're going to earn interest on that money. Why do they pay you interest on the money that you deposit by them? So here's where the, the English gets confusing. We think of a deposit into the bank, similar to like a safety deposit box. I'm putting it in the bank so that it'll be safe. And that way, whenever I want my money back, I could go ahead and I could get my money back as if the same $1,000 bills that I, that I gave the bank when I initially opened up the account are going to be the same $1,000 bills that they're going to give me when I close out the account. But that's naive. Now, you may tell that to children that that's why they should put their money in the bank so it'll be safe and they won't spend it. But we all know that the only reason that the bank, uh, the, the bank is not in the business of chesed, the bank is in the business of making money. So you deposit money in the bank and they go ahead and invest it according to the way they want to invest it. And they earn money off of your money. And then in, the, in consideration of the fact that they were able to earn whatever amount of money they earned by using your money, by lending out your money or using your money. So they pay you this uh, you know, nominal uh, you know, percentage rate uh, to, uh, to make it seem reasonable that you're doing so. But the bottom line is, is that since they have the discretion to use the money the way they please, so you are essentially loaning money to the bank. It's not called a loan to the bank. But for halachic purposes, it's a loan to the bank because you give them the money and they can spend it as they see fit. And since they could spend it as they see fit, that meets the definition of milva lahotsa nitzna. It was given for them to be able to spend and therefore it gets categorized halachically as a loan. And if it's a Jewish owned bank, in even something as simple as just depositing $10,000 in the bank and then getting back $10,000 in $10 10 years from now, that's how bad the interest rate is. So you're going to, after 10 years, you get back $10,010. So that $10 is interest. That would be a violation of this of Ribis because you got back more money than, uh, than you invested. Okay, so far so good? Okay, so we now know that there's two, there's, we, we differentiate between an investment and a loan is the element of risk. Risk defined at, as not whether you will get paid, but whether there's an obligation to pay back that money. By an investment, there may be no obligation to pay back the money. By a loan, the obligation is ongoing. The obligation is never at risk. And then there's also a concept of milva nitzna, that in order for something to be defined as a loan, what it means is, is that the borrower has the discretion to use it according to uh, however he sees fit. 
Okay, give out. Now, with that in mind, how does that differ, how does that differ from a picadon? Uh, a picadon, uh, oh, sorry. So uh, when it comes to a picadon, so when I gave Mel the two thousand, sorry, thank you for swinging me back around. So when I gave Mel the two thousand dollars security deposit, which he is obligated to put into a segregated interest-bearing account, Mel has no right to spend that money. That's the whole point of putting it in a segregated account is it can't become part of his regular account that he writes checks out of and that he gives gifts to grandchildren out of and any of those things. That money has to just sit in, a, in, a, in its own segregated account, earning its own interest. And Mel isn't allowed to, legally, Mel isn't allowed to touch that money at all. So since that $2,000 security deposit, which I gave to Mel, is not Lahotsa Nitzna, Mel isn't allowed to spend that money. So that means that Mel is really a shomer on the money. He's a custodian on that money. And when he returns to me $2,012 because of the interest, that wasn't Mel's money, which is earning interest. That was my money, which was earning interest. Mel was just the one who put it in the account for me. But ultimately it remained my money. So it was my money that earned the $12, not Mel paying me $12 of interest because of the money which I loaned to him. So a security deposit where it goes into that segregated account and Mel is not allowed to use it. So that would not be a loan, that would be a picado. That's Shmira. Okay, give out. So person sent me, uh, again, this, uh, I looked at it on my computer. So I don't know exactly how many pages it would be if it was printed up, but uh, a lot of legalese related to this, uh, this company, it's called Celsius as you see. Uh, but a lot of legalese related to uh, what exactly uh, are the, the nature of the relationship or what is going to be done. Okay. So what the person called is, the person said, listen, it says right here in number 10, risk disclosure. So risk disclosure for all of us people who, are, who have our antennas up for ribus related matters. So we know right away, as soon as we see risk, we say, ding, 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 we have a winner here because this means that this is going to be an investment rather than a loan. And if there's an element of risk, and then we can put it into the category of an investment, it doesn't matter if it's a Jewish owner of the company, because you're allowed to invest with another Jew, you're just not allowed to enter into a, a lender-borrower relationship or a halva together with the Jew, which is going to bear interest. But to go ahead and invest in a company where you're going to earn profits, you're gonna earn a share of the profits, that's perfectly okay. So here we see that it says risk disclosure, it must be that there's a risk and therefore this should be okay. And we could give the green light to people to go ahead and invest in the company, right? Right, that's what happens when you just read the headings. <laughs> so now what happens? So he says, uh, now the, the first part is uh, th this idea. Well, uh, we don't have to read the beginning of it, but risk disclosure page. And it says, I'll just highlight this whole thing here. He says, the risks listed below and in our risk disclosure page are intended to provide you with a general outline of the risks involved, but cannot capture all such risks. So they're telling me it's not even one risk. I've got multiple risks which are involved in investing in this company. And the more risks there are, so seemingly that is going to, that's going to tell us the important information which we need to know that this should be categorized as an investment rather than a loan. And we should go ahead, as we said, give the green light and we should be good to go. Okay, 
We'll see later on whether or not this is true. This is why also you can't read just one sentence somewhere. You can't take one sentence out of context and think that you got the whole thing. And I, I, I would uh, bring up for you the risk disclosure pages, but I won't bore you. I, it's, an, it's enough that I had to endure it. There's no reason you should have to endure it as well. Okay, now, one of the exciting things about uh, uh, reading legalese is sometimes you learn new vocab words. Not that it would ever come up uh, in, the, in Scrabble that I'd be able to spell such a word, but there are such words which come up and you'll see there's an interesting thing about it. But he says, these terms and your use of any of our services do not create a fiduciary relationship between us and you. Your Celsius account is not a checking or savings account, is not covered by insurance against, uh, against losses. I assume that's just legalese just to take care of uh, liability. Now, the hi what's highlighted there in yellow already, this now becomes very important. He says, we may lend, sell, pledge, hypothecate, assign, invest, use, commingle, or otherwise dispose of assets in eligible digital assets, that's cryptocurrency, to counterparties, or hold the eligible digital assets with counterparties, and we'll use our best commercial operational efforts to prevent losses. If we want to go ahead and break that down into three words, the way that we break down that sentence into three words is milva lahotza nitna. Right? Milva lahotza nitna means that I'm giving you something of value and you have your, it becomes yours for the duration of the loan and you have the discretion to use it as you please. It becomes yours for that time. You just have an obligation at the end of the term to pay me back the amount which I gave you. But while it's in your possession, you could use it as you want. In this line, they could lend, they could sell, they could pledge, they could hypothecate. Uh, it's, a, it's an exciting uh, word uh, for us. We think that the word may be, for those who are uh, Dafyomi people, or those who are familiar with it, remember there's such a thing which, we, which uh, is used in the context of loans and whatnot, called an apotiki. Aleph, pay vav. Tough yud kuf yud apotiki. Chazal say apotiki is an acronym for potehekoi. So this is where I borrow money from you, and I say if I can't pay you back cash, you're going to take the green monster. So I, I, I designate a particular object or a particular piece of real estate from which you are going to be able to collect the money which I owe you. So we think that in this word hypothecate, we looked it up. Uh, it's a Greek word. It uh, emanates from a Greek word. And I wouldn't be shocked at all. I'd actually be surprised if it did not work out that way, that the Hebrew term apotiki and hypothecate are same uh, are similar etymologically, that they come from the same thing. The, the, the apotiki is probably a Greek word which made its way into, into shas, which is not so, uh, so outrageous. But here we have in this sentence over here, in this highlighted sentence over here, we have that this company, Celsius is saying is, you're going to give us your cryptocurrency. And while we have it, we are free to do it as we want. Uh, and we're going to use our best judgment to make sure that you don't lose. But you never know what's going to happen. You never know when green Martians are going to come down and they're going to eat up the cryptocurrency and you'll be out of luck in the event that that, uh, that takes place. Okay. And now, so that sounds like mil below touch. So that language by itself, sets off the alarm bell saying, I think we may have a loan on our hands, even though we said at the beginning that this is risk dis disclosure, we now found out that 
the risk is not necessarily what we're expecting it to be or what we want the outcome to be in terms of risk. Because right now we see so far in this, um, in the, uh, the uh, highlighted um, uh, text, which you have in gray over here in the, in the gray. So this is certainly language which indicates that it's a loan. Now he goes on to say, by lending eligible digital assets to Celsius or otherwise using the services, you are, will not be entitled to any profits or income Celsius may generate from any subsequent use of digital assets, nor will you be exposed to any losses which Celsius may suffer as a result thereof. Okay, now, next highlighted session, which is going to be essential. One second, Mel. Actually, before, yeah. What are you going to say, Mel? We used to say you are obligated to pay it back. I don't see things that says obligated to pay it back. That they are obligated to pay back? Yeah. That would make it that would make it a uh, a loan. Just just it looks like it's an investment. Yeah. Um, so remember we're we're jumping in a, a, at uh, number 10 over here. So uh, if you want, I will uh, give you an assignment that I could give you the rest of the text and you could go uh, read through all that. <laughs> Your report back next week with uh, footnotes and a bibliography. Um, now, here we have, now this next highlighted section is also something which is essential. It says, now pay attention, because this is, again, this is, this is capturing what the risk is. And remember, we differentiated between risk, which is a risk that you may not, there may not be an obligation to pay back the amount, or the risk that you may not, that the obligation exists, but you may not have the means to pay back. The first one is an investment. The second one is a loan. So here it says, you are, however, exposed to the possibility of Celsius becoming unable to repay its obligations in part or in full, in which case your digital assets may be at risk. So what's the key over here? The key over here is, they say explicitly, Celsius becoming unable to repay its obligations. So it doesn't say that Celsius doesn't have an obligation to pay because the investment went south. It says it, it, Celsius may indeed have an obligation to pay, but being that their whole company is cryptocurrency and has no assets and has no tangible anything, which is worth anything that you can, there's nothing to liquidate as far as this company is concerned to be able to recover anything. So you should know that it may turn out, circumstances may arise where we can't pay you back. And it'll be too bad, so sad, because once we can't pay you back, it's not as if we could start selling off assets in order to generate funds. And you could even get pennies on the dollar. We have nothing that's going to be that we could have a, that we have a value which we could use to pay you back. But the key is, I'll get to you in one second, Mel. The key is they're saying the risk is the inability to repay. They're not saying the risk is that they're not obligated to pay. And that points to that difference in risk that when, person, when somebody says everything has risk, even loans have risk, we're not talking about the risk of a loan that the borrower doesn't have the means to pay back. Risk means that they, the person may not have an obligation to pay you back because the investment went south. And here the language speaks to me as saying the risk is they won't be able to pay, not that they aren't obligated to pay. Yes, Mel. I think the language is confusing because it says obligations and it says risk. So if your assets are at risk, they're never at risk if it's a loan. You'll get paid eventually. Here it says, no, you won't. Right. If you don't get paid eventually, it's it's an investment. Right, right. I, I didn't even I didn't do right. 
Right, very good. So Mel is pointing out that this phrase, the one which I just highlighted on top of the yellow, unable to repay its obligations means the obligation is there, but we can't pay. So that's exactly what happens when you loan somebody $100,000 and the person goes bankrupt. So he's obligated to pay you back that $100,000 in the scenario which we said before, I owe Ellen the $100,000 just on Wednesday before I won the Mega Millions. I had nothing to my name. I had the $1 that I used to buy that Mega Millions ticket. And I had nothing, I had no means to repay Ellen, but the obligation to pay was what was in force, is in force and remains in force until I actually pay back that, uh, that, that, that money. So here, Mel is pointing out that these five words, unable to repay its obligations, is exactly what we mean. That is the risk of a loan. The risk of a loan is unable to pay obligations, not that there is no obligation. Yeah, Ellen. It also, it also clearly is not an investment because in the line above, it says you're not entitled to any profits or income or any loss. Oh, excellent, excellent. So now, hold on. Good. Thank you. Now, sorry that the page breaks up the middle. Thank you for that transition. I appreciate it. So now in, in section 12, we're skipping 11. In section 12, it says how are rewards, how rewards are calculated and earned. So now here also, it's important to keep in mind that, and I just had a discussion with a fellow about this today, they are, uh, when, you, when a person is an investor, another element of being an investor is that you have to share in the losses. So going back to our scene with, Steve uh, um, investing with me $100,000 and Ellen loaning me $100,000. So uh, the reason why Steve is going to be out of luck and Ellen isn't as much out of luck is because when Steve invested with me, he became with me a partner. And as a partner, we are going to share profits and losses together. So that's the definition of being an investor is not only that you get a chance to share some of the profits, but you're also on the hook for the losses as well. A, a, a lender, when Ellen loaned me the $100,000, so she's not, she, her $100,000 isn't really at risk because she doesn't have to share any of my losses. Even if I lose everything, I still owe her the $100,000. She doesn't get any profits because she's not an investor in the company. It was a loan to me. So all that money is mine. So she gets no profits, but she's shielded from any loss. But by definition, and this is, the, this is what happens when, when you sign a heteriska and you become a partner in the person's business, is by definition, what that means is, is that you have your, your earnings are not interest, but the earnings are a percentage of the profits which the business earns. Okay? So here, however, they say, we calculate the rewards on loan digital assets, meaning the amount that we're going to pay you, your dividends, uh, based on market demand for each eligible digital asset. So we gauge how much the market is assigning value to your variety of cryptocurrency. And that's how we're going to figure out how much we're going to pay you on a weekly basis. Now it says reward rates are not determined based on Celsius income or profit. That means when you give them your cryptocurrency, the amount that you earn is not going to be reflected by how much profit Celsius makes or how much loss Celsius suffers, but rather it's going to be determined by a completely independent um, uh, barometer or independent scale, generated directly or indirectly as a result of use by Celsius of a particular digital asset, a type of digital assets, or otherwise. 
So what this what this statement says to me is you're not really an investor because if you're an investor, then your the money which you, your dividends are going to be reflected by the level of profits or the level of losses which which uh, which your contribution is able to generate or in the event of a loss, it's going to suffer. But there has to be this correlation between the money that you invested in the business and how much you're getting back. So somebody who gets two hundred thousand, somebody who puts two hundred thousand dollars is going to get a higher percentage of the profits than the person who puts in only hundred thousand dollars because that's just the nature of the way that profits are going to be shared. The more money you put in, the more money you're going to get back. Here in this particular business model, it could turn out that Mel gave me. $200,000 of cryptocurrency. Al went ahead and gave me $100,000 of cryptocurrency. But within a month, the type of cryptocurrency which Mel gave me has lost value. People lost faith in that. And nobody's interested in buying that one anymore. And now suddenly the one that Al, Al had uh, invested is now a very sought after currency, type of cryptocurrency. And now his is generating many much greater returns than Mel's. So based on the fact that a month later, Al's is a more valuable cryptocurrency than Mel's, it may be that Al is now earning more money on that weekly, uh, on that weekly uh, payout, that weekly dividend than Mel is, even though Mel gave me twice as much, twice as much money as, as Al did. But in this model, in this, in this business model of Celsius, it doesn't make a difference how much you're given. That's not going to be, that's not going to be uh, uh, correlate to the, the percentage of profits which you're going to earn because you're not really sharing any of the profits whatsoever. You're sharing somehow some calculation which they have. I'm sure they have uh, you know, actuaries who work very hard on developing models of how we're going to calculate what that's going to be, but it's not a profit sharing. That's the main thing. Profit sharing is part of the definition of an investment. If I'm getting something other than uh, a percentage uh, which uh, reflected by my level of investment, then it must be something else, in all likelihood, a loan. So once again, that also is pointing in the direction of a loan. And then the last thing is, and uh, I was already convinced before this, but the person I was talking to wasn't yet convinced. So then I showed him this paragraph. It says, in the event that Celsius becomes bankrupt. So this is when, when you are a ribis person, you're always looking for this paragraph. <laughs> doesn't matter how many pages of legalese that they give you, you always want to find this paragraph which talks about what happens when they go bankrupt. They do owe you the money, they don't owe you the money, what's going to happen? So you just uh, control F and you put in bankrupt and you, you, you got to find that term in the document. So it says, in the event that Celsius becomes bankrupt, enters liquidation, or is otherwise, here's our key phrase again, that, that you mentioned, Mel, unable to repay its obligations. Not that there is no obligation, there is an obligation. They are just unable to pay. That's the risk of a loan, not the risk of an investment. You may not be able to recover or regain ownership of such digital assets, meaning we may not be able to give you back your cryptocurrency. Now here's, again, it's, it's so key. And other than your rights as a creditor of Celsius, what does that mean, a creditor of Celsius? In one Hebrew word, what does creditor of Celsius mean? A malva, a loan, right? A creditor is a, is a lender, right? So here in the thing, he says, other than your rights. So it's, Celsius is not saying in the event that we go bankrupt, it's not that your, your, your risk 
is only the fact that we're not going to be able to repay you, but you have the rights of a creditor. You could come after us as a creditor to whom you're owed the money. You're not going to get it because we have no money. We have no assets. But the, the, uh, but in, in the event that happens, we are not going, we cannot deny you the fact that you legally are a creditor of Celsius. Under any applicable laws, you may not have any legal remedies or rights in connection with Celsius obligations to you, other than the fact that you loan Celsius money. And therefore, this also comes in and becomes a major, a, a, a key phrase in this, uh, in this, uh, the, or all of the legalese, which is here, because in this phrase, they actually say, uh, as, as we, we say in, uh, in Hebrew sometimes, uh, 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 right? So Yaakov knew that Lavan was going to try and fool him. So he didn't say, uh, bit your daughter. He didn't say haktana. He was explicit as he possibly could. So he says, Rachel, bitcha haktana. Rachel, who is your youngest daughter? Can't get more explicit than that. You can't try and finagle Leia into that when you're explicit as Rachel, bitcha haktana. So here it says explicitly that you, this person who's going to be the quote unquote investor who's, uh, uh, who's taking a risk in giving your cryptocurrency to Celsius, at the end of the day, you're a creditor. And if you're a creditor, so that also is language, which certainly shouts in Ribbis terms, terms, loan, 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 loan. And therefore, in the event that you have a, a Jew who is the owner of the company, so it's going to be, uh, it, it, uh, you, uh, you have to deal with the Ribbis issue. Now, the truth is, is that, and this is something which, uh, we'll, and we'll close with this, is that there is the famous leniency of Rav Moshe. Ravosha and others, the, the Barshag, may also hold this way, but there's a leniency which exists where Ravosha is of the opinion that in order for something to qualify as a loan, there has to be a person who bears personal responsibility for that loan. Right? That's what we call the Shibut HaGuf. Shibut means that there's something which is going to be resting. There's a lien which rests on somebody. The buck's got to stop somewhere. So in order to qualify as a loan, the buck has to stop somewhere on somebody's shoulders in the event that a loan is issued and there's no person who is responsible to pay back that loan. So Ravosha says, that's not what Halacha calls a loan and there's no problem of ribbis. Where do you find a case where uh, you have a loan and nobody bears personal responsibility? So Ravosha says, in the event that a corporation borrows money, so we could have a corporation here with the people who are at the Shear presently. So the eight of us could go ahead and we could form a corporation and we could go to a Jewish-owned bank and say, we, the members of this corporation, want to borrow a million dollars. And the bank says, fine, but we're charging you 5% interest. And according to Moshe, we could say, no problem. Because since none of the eight of us are ever personally responsible to pay back that million dollars, it's the company that we create which has the responsibility, but it's none of us on a personal level. So therefore, Moshe says that that's not subject to the issue of Ribbis. So in most companies, like I'm sure Celsius is set up this way, that the, uh, the person doesn't have any, even if there's a Jewish owner there, he doesn't have personal responsibility to give you back your cryptocurrency. It's all a relationship with the company, not with the individual. So like Rav Moshe, it would be mutter anyways. But there are people who many poskim do not like to rely on Rav Moshe by itself. Certainly my BHI background, Hasidish poskim, 
uh, are not uh, comfortable with relying on the Moshe Lichat After the fact, they may say, okay, if it was our, after the fact, you could you could rely on it, but they wouldn't enter into a loan Lichat saying that this is going to be permitted because there's no person who has a Shibra Guf. Nobody has personal responsibility to pay back that loan. But this person who called me didn't want to rely on Rav Moshe by itself. He wanted to see if he could, that this should really be permitted according to all opinions. And that's why he was focusing his attention on the risk element. But I think that uh, the language here uh, does not support uh, that contention. I think the language here all points in the direction that this is actually a loan which is taking place. And therefore, if uh, somebody were to ask me whether they should uh, invest their cryptocurrency with Celsius, so I would say, uh, halakhically, I don't think that's a good idea. I can't give you business advice. But halakhically, I can tell you that would not be a wise thing to do unless you are fond of coming back as a turtle or something, something along those lines. Okay? So that is our, 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 ribis, uh, our ribis 101, Ribis Investing 101 for, uh, for tonight. And uh, hopefully it was uh, being able to see this actually unfold in the uh, the legal documents itself is something which helps uh, drive it home and make it uh, a little bit more uh, lemaisa and uh, in relevant. Thank you. All righty. Thank, thank you, Rabbi. All right. I, I have a name for a Jewish 